Chapter One of Mildred's Married Life. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Kylie Goodfellow. Mildred's Married Life by Martha Finley. Chapter One. O oh, married love, each heart shall own, where two congenial souls unite, thy golden chains inlaid with down, thy lamp with heaven's own splendor bright. Langhorn. What a happy winter that was, the first of Mildred's married life. Her cup of bliss seemed full to overflowing. She was very proud of her husband, and not without reason, for his was a noble character. He was a man of sterling worth, lofty aims, cultivated mind, and polished address. They were a pair of lovers who grew more and more enamored of each other day by day as the weeks and months rolled on. And while the new love flooded Mildred's pathway with light, the old loves, so dear, so long, tried and true, had not to be given up. She was still a member of the home circle, a sharer in all its interests and pleasures, its cares and its joys. There was no interruption of the mutual sympathy and helpfulness of mother and daughter, brothers and sisters, nor was the father deprived of the prized society of his firstborn in the family gatherings about the table, or in the cosy sitting-room or parlor when evening brought rest from the toils and cares of the day she was there as of old ready to cheer and entertain him with music or sprightly conversation brighter too and more full of sweet and gentle gaiety than of yore these things formed no mean or slight element in mildred's happiness yet there were times when it was bliss to be alone with her lover husband in the privacy of their own apartments the room that had always been hers and a communicating one both of good size pleasant and cheery and made doubly attractive by perfect neatness and various tasteful little feminine devices in which mrs keith and her daughters were thought to excel mildred soon discovered that her husband was far from neat and orderly in his habits but accepting the fact as the one inevitable yet small thorn joined to her otherwise delicious rose she bore the trial with exemplary patience indulging in never a reproachful word or even look as she quietly picked up and put in place the books papers and garments which he scattered here and there with reckless indifference to consequences to them or himself mildred thought her efforts were unappreciated if not entirely unnoticed until one day on opening a drawer in search of some article which he wanted in haste he exclaimed at the neat and orderly arrangements of its contents adding really milly my dear i must say with solomon that he that findeth a wife findeth a good thing in my bachelor days i'd have had many a vexatious hunt for things which now i always find in place ready to my hand it has been my daily experience since i became a benedict Mildred looked up in pleased surprise. "'I have been half afraid my particularity about such things was a trifle annoying to you, Charlie,' she said in a gratified tone. "'Not at all, but my slovenliness must have been seriously so to you,' he returned, coming to her side. "'I'll try to reform in that respect,' he went on playfully, "'and I wish that, to help me, you would impose a fine for every time you have my coat to hang up in the wardrobe, my boots or slippers to put away in the closet, or—oh, I should ruin you!' Mildred interrupted with a light, gleeful, happy laugh. "'Not particularly complimentary, that, to either my good intentions or the supposed amount of my income,' he returned, bending over her to caress her hair and cheek. "'Besides, it would depend largely upon the weight of the fine. How heavy shall it be?' fix it yourself since the idea is all your own one dollar each time for every article left out of place fine to be increased to not more than five in case no improvement is manifest within a month how will that do oh laughed mildred i shall certainly impoverish you and speedily grow rich at your expense 
"'Come now, little lady, about how often have I transgressed against the rules of order in the two weeks that we have shared these rooms? Perhaps twenty. I have kept no account, so can only guess at it.' "'Well, really,' he sighed in mock despair, "'I could not have believed I was quite so bad as that. But all the more need for reform. You must insist upon the fines, Milly. I can't let you have so much trouble for nothing.' "'Oh, Charlie, as if your love didn't pay me a thousand times over!' she exclaimed, lifting to his eyes dewy with mingled emotions, love, joy, and gratitude. He answered with a tender caress and a smile of ineffable affection. "'And then you have been so generous with money, too,' Mildred went on. "'Why, I never was so rich before in all my life. I've not spent a fourth part of the hundred dollars I found in my purse the day after our wedding.' and mother tells me you have insisted upon paying a good deal more for our board than she thinks it worth ah dearest circumstances alter cases and with more knowledge you and mother may change your minds he replied half absently then after a moment's silence this is my gift to my dear wife and i cannot tell her how glad i am to be able to make it my darling will you accept it at your husband's hands he had laid a folded paper in her lap thank you she said playfully and with a pleased smile i can't imagine what it is opening and glancing over it as she spoke why half breathlessly as she scrutinized it with more care then let it fall into her lap with an astonished half incredulous look up into his face charlie is it real she asked entirely so dear milly he answered with a tender smile you have endowed me with all your worldly goods she said half in assertion half inquiringly no my darling not nearly half as yet i know you thought you were marrying a poor man at least comparatively so but it was a mistake and oh the delight of being able to give you ease and luxury you who have toiled so long and faithfully for yourself and others he clasped her in his arms as he spoke and with a heart too full for speech she laid her head upon his breast and wept for very joy and thankfulness that such love and tender protecting care were hers there was space for little else in her thoughts for the moment the next she rejoiced keenly in the wealth that put her in power so much that it had long been in her heart to do for others yet rejoiced with trembling remembering the master's words how hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of god if adversity had its trials prosperity was not without its perils and a most earnest though silent prayer went up that she might be kept from trusting in uncertain riches or setting her affection on earthly treasures tears darling said her husband softly stroking her hair i thought to give you joy only they are happy tears charlie she murmured lifting her face putting an arm about his neck and gazing with loving eyes straight into his and yet oh i am almost afraid of so much wealth and she went on to tell him all that was in her heart ah he replied i do not fear for you your very sense of the danger will tend to your safe keeping yes if it keeps me close to the master and ever looking unto him for strength to resist temptation utter weakness in ourselves we may yet be strong in the lord and in the power of his might yes you know paul tells us the lord said to him my grace is sufficient for thee for my strength is made perfect in weakness end of chapter one recording by kylie goodfellow